I, I would tell you a little secret. I found out that, that when I start thinking that everybody's getting on my nerves, I start realizing it's not everybody, but it's me. And sometimes I got to look at the mirror and say, God, people have depleted me of love, but fill me back up again. The Bible said in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And all I got to do is get in his presence. He'll begin to fill me back up with the peace that was taken from me. The love that was stripped from me, the joy that life had begun to take away. But when I get in his presence, that's, that's why it's important to worship. That's why it's important to praise. Because all of a sudden, what you're depleted of, God will begin to pour back into you. Amen. Amen. How are you thankful for the tabernacle of praise tonight? Amen. I'm so thankful for the tabernacle because we don't just talk about vision. We're about vision. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of people like to talk, but they don't like to put things in place. And I'm thankful that uh, that we are underneath the ministry, that that we are doers and goers. Amen. You got to put go in God or it does nothing. Come on now. <laughs> You're just standing alone with the D. You got to put go in God to get going. And I'm thankful that, that, that we can begin to do different things. We can go to the other nations of this world. We can begin to go to Virginia and impart some word, but at the same time, the same Holy Spirit that's in Virginia is the same Holy Spirit that's here tonight. Amen. I believe that God has something for us tonight, and I believe that God has some incredible things that God has. How you know, we've been enjoying our Wednesdays, haven't we? Not here lately. We've been enjoying our Wednesdays, and I believe that God's going to do the same thing for us tonight. And so I want you to increase your faith and begin to say, God, open me up. And God, open me up to whatever you have. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 38 tonight. We're going to read just a little bit of these scriptures here. It may seem like a lot, but I want you to kind of grasp the whole general point of what's going on here. But Genesis chapter 38, verse 6. And if you would stand with, back with me tonight, it's just my custom, I believe, in standing on the Word of God. How I many know if we don't stand on it here, we'll never do it out there? And I know it's just symbolic, but I believe in it. Genesis chapter 38. It's a crazy chapter that's stuck right in between Joseph and his dreaming. <laughs> have you know along the way of dreaming you'll have some crazy chapters y'all ain't hear me you'll have some crazy chapters along the way of dreaming and so right in the middle of joseph's dreams there's this crazy chapter that's stuck right here you may have never read it or even don't even grasp it uh, but i guarantee you've heard just a little bit of a preach at the very end but i want to grasp something that i think a lot of people have been too scared to grab a hold of but how you know we're in a house that we're not as scared of the word amen uh, Genesis chapter 38, verse 6. He says, And Judah took a wife for Ur and his firstborn, and whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said to Onan, Go into thy brother's wife and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. Somebody say seed. And Onan knew that the seed, somebody say seed, should not be his, and it and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he spilled it onto the ground lest he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he slew him also. Then also Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow in thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown. For he said, lest peradventure he die also, and as, brethren, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in his father's house. Verse 12, and in the process of time, somebody say the process of time. The daughter of, of Shua, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shears to Timnath. And he and his friends, here were the Dulamite, and, and it was told to Tamar, saying, 
Behold, the father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his sheep. And she put on his widow's garments and off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself up and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. Can I say that again? She put off her widow's garments. Uh, and she saw from Sheila was grown, and she was not given unto him to wife. That when Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot, and because he had covered her face, he turned her into by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, lest me come into thee. And for he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come into me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, Wilt thou Give me a pledge till thou send it. And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet ring, thy bracelets, and thy staff that is in thy hand. And he gave it to her and came into her, and she conceived by him. I want you to go to verse 27 for the sake of time. And it came to pass in the time of her travail, remember she conceived, that in the time of It came in the past in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her room. And it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand and the midwife took and bound up a a hand, a scarlet thread saying, this came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand that behold, his brother came forth and she said, what hast thou broken forth? This breach be upon thee, therefore his name was called Perez. And afterward came out his brother that had scarlet thread upon his hand. His name was called Zerah. It's a tough chapter, isn't it? You thought there was nothing good in the Bible. You just got to read it every now and then. You'll find some crazy stuff right in the middle of there. But I want to preach a message tonight called Don't Drop the Seed. Don't drop the seed. Look at a couple of people around you and just tell them, don't drop the seed. Uh, say it again to somebody. Say, don't drop the seed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for tonight, God. We thank you, God, for this atmosphere of worship because, God, it is in your praise, God, that, God, you begin to inhabit. And, Father, God, I thank you, God, that, God, I believe that you're in this place tonight. God, I believe that, God, God, now not only are you in this place, but, God, there is a people that are in this place that, God, are hungry and thirsty for you. And, God, wherever there's a hunger, God, you'll fulfill. God, whatever there's a thirst, God, you'll begin to quench. God, you'll quench it, God, that we'll never thirst again. So, God, I ask you, God, right now, God, touch us with the river of the Holy Spirit tonight, God. God, begin to allow it to flow, God, our needs that we need. God, comfort us in ways that nobody else can. But, God, the way that you can, God. Father, God, move to this room that God will never be the same again, but God, we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, let something shift in our spirit that, God, it changes our mindset, God, about our situation. Father, we thank you and we praise you, God, in Jesus' holy name. Before you see to tell somebody, don't drop the sea. Don't, don't drop the sea. Don't drop the sea. I know it's Wednesday, and I know we should just uh, uh, just have a good little time. But how do you know I am looking for God tonight? Amen. Uh, when you go through hell, you need heaven to come into your presence. Amen. And so you're going to have to excuse me tonight because the Bible says the violent take it by fourth. And I, I just feel like preaching against the gates of hell tonight. Amen. So no matter what you've been going through, I believe that God has something for you in here tonight. 
When we begin to read this, a lot of times we will get caught up with what we're reading. But how we know the Bible is a lot of times sim- symbolism of what God is wanting to do in our personal lives. He's not wanting to you to look at the situation that Tamar had two husbands and nobody wanted her. It's not looking at it that there was a third husband promised for her named uh, Sheila uh, that never even came to pass. You're not looking at uh, that, that, that she went and played the whore. It says that in verse 27 there uh, with Judah himself. But you've got to begin to understand what does this mean to me? What are the main points that God is trying to show us in this? And so the one thing that you'll begin to see is that we were talking about the seed, the seed. It was a very prominent word, a very prominent thing that God was trying to convey. How many know God doesn't say things just to say it? You best believe if he tells you once, if he repeats himself, he means it the second time. See, if there's a parent in the room, you understand what I'm talking about. If I tell you to clean up your room, don't make me have to tell you twice. Come on. But when God repeats himself, he wants you to get the point. And so we begin to see here that he talks about the seed about four or five times within this chapter. He also begins to talk about that there is a process of time. Yeah, there is a process of time. How do you know with everything that within God, there's always a process? We want things, especially in our generation, we want it right now and quick. If, if, if God calls us to something, we want it right now. We want it instantaneous. We want it to happen. If God shows us a vision, we expect it to happen within two months. But how many of you know there's always a process of time? Listen, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind mashed potatoes in a box. I, I don't mind them at all. They're good. I can eat them. But how many know there's nothing like just good old potatoes being cut up and boiled and mashed and and throwing a little bit of ingredients? There's nothing like something that takes time. Come on now. There's something about the the, the pro, there's something about how you appreciate it when it's all done and said. It it makes you hungry along the way. I, I don't know about you, I can't hardly stand Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving you have to go through the process of smelling the turkey. You have to go through the process of smelling the pumpkin pies, and you have to go through the process. But how do you know when you finally get the table laid out in front of you and you get to sit down and, and say grace and begin to eat? How do you know you appreciate what you? been smelling all day long. And in the same way, God will show you a glimpse of something. He will show you a seed of something, but he will take you through a process to the time or the season that God has allowed the thing to happen. And so if you're right now in the chapter or the process of the thing going on, just hold on. Don't give up in the process that if he's promised you a word, if it's just a seed and it's small, hang on to it. Because I guarantee you, no matter how much hell comes against you, God's word will come to pass in your life. Amen. But he says there a lot, seed, time, and harvest, seed, process, and time. And anytime you want to understand anything about the things of God, you've always got to go back to the very beginning a word is mentioned. You've got to go back to when the word is first mentioned. And the first time we see this word seed, it says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, he says, And let the earth bring forth grass and herbs with its seed within. 
He says, when I call forth a tree and when I plant the tree, he says, I'll never have to do it again because I'm going to put within itself a reproduction system that I'll never have to waste time making that thing again. I thought about something the other day that I was cutting forth an apple. And how do you know if you cut open an apple, uh, you can count the seeds that are coming out of it? If you cut open an apple, you can count one and two and up to 11 and 12. And there may be 15 seeds within that one apple. But my question is to you tonight is if you plant a seed, can you count the amount of apples that will come out of that seed? Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? That you can take a single apple and you can count the seeds. But when you take the seed and place it into the ground, the, the, the limitless number that will come out of that apple because of the seed that went into the ground. Uh, the seed itself, it is self-sustaining and self-perpetuating. Uh, it's self-sustaining. God never has to come back and say, you know what, tree? I want you to grow. I know you died, but I want you to grow. And he keeps on having to encourage the tree to grow. But the reality is he put a seed within the tree that even when it dies in the winter months, even when the apples fall off of it, that there is a seed within it that will reproduce itself. It will self-sustain itself. It will self-perpetuate itself. That for endless time, until God comes back, what he created in the beginning. <laughs> uh, how many you know when God makes a thing the first time he makes it right? Come on now. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so when God created you the first time, until sin gets in it, you're perfect. Come on now. And what God puts in you will last for all eternity. The seed, the seed, it is represented all throughout the word. It is represented as the kingdom of God. In first chapter 26, he says, a man go forth and scatters the seed. He, some will throw out and it will go on rocky soil and some will go out on thorny soil and some will go out on good soil and it will always bring forth a return. Why? Because the seed will reproduce itself. That when the seed gets in something good, I don't know about you, say, God, make me good soil. Come on now, make me good soil. That when seed gets into good soil, it will bring forth a 30-fold, a 60-fold, and a 100-fold. It is represented as the kingdom of God. When Jesus begins to speak to this, how do we know the whole thing that we are doing from Genesis to Revelation, even to this day, is about the kingdom of God? So there are so many things that are represented as the seed. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, he says, I will give unto you and your seed everywhere your feet shall touch. It is represented as offspring, as you and your seed. Your seed is your sons and your daughters. Your seed is your granddaughter, your great-grandchild, your great-great-grand. It is your seed that is to come. It is also your money. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, he says, Thou shalt truly tithe the increase of your seed, that the field bring forth year by year. So we see here it's represented as the kingdom, it's represented as the offspring, it is represented as money. But it is also represented as faith. Okay? Uh, he says, The faith, the size of a mustard seed shall move a mountain. Okay. 
So it's, it's also your money, it's also your offspring, it's also in the kingdom, but it's also your faith. All you got to do is have a seed of some faith for something to grow. He says it ain't got to be big, you just got to have some faith. Faith's definition is fear ain't in this house. And so if you can contradict fear and say, no, God, I ain't got a whole lot of faith, but I just got a little bit of faith that something's going to change not only in my life, but God, in my children's lives, God, in my business, uh, in my neighborhood, in this church's region, all we have to have is just a little bit of faith for God to begin to do something. So it's faith, faith, say this faith is seed. Okay. Faith is seed. He also says here uh, in the word of God that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith seed comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we begin to understand here that seed and faith are the same thing. But what is he implanting into you? He is planting seeds of the word of God. Okay. In John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and it was God. It came into the darkness, and the darkness did not perceive him, for he was the light. But the Word came into this world, and the Word became flesh. And so we have to begin to understand here that what is equivalent to this? Who is the Word? Jesus is the word. The word is in the beginning and the word was with God. Jesus was in the beginning and Jesus was the word. You have to begin to understand here that what he's saying is, is Jesus is the seed. Oh my goodness gracious. Jesus is the seed. And we just talked about that. And can I stop here for a second? That if, if, if your money is seed and seed is Jesus, uh, I don't know about you. I don't want to keep Jesus in my pocket. I, I don't want to keep Jesus in my bank account. But every time I release my tithe, I'm saying, God, it's not my money that's doing the work. But God, it's Jesus that's doing the work. My good God. It's not my 401k that's doing the work. It's not my stocks and bonds that's doing the work. It's not my employer that's doing the work. But Jesus is working on my behalf of my finances. And when I release release Jesus out of my hand. God begins to do a work that I could not do. Come on now. Somebody give him some praise in this place. Uh, So if Jesus is the seed in Revelation, he says Jesus was the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forevermore. So you have to begin to understand that your seed was the same yesterday, and your seed was the same today, and is the same forevermore. The seed is never going to change. Galatians chapter 3 verse 16, he says, now unto Abraham and to the promises that were made into the seed, somebody say seeds, as if, as of which are made one and unto thy seed. See, he's not talking about uh, the wealth uh, uh, of Abraham here, but he is talking about the the offspring and the family that's going to come after Jesus. How do you know when God wants to create something, he always creates it with a seed. 
when God wanted to create a family, all he did was send the seed of the word to become flesh to hang on the cross for you and me. And because of one seed that came to this earth, now all of a sudden, 2013 years later, here we are, one big family, one big body of Christ, Methodists and Baptists and Pentecostals and Charismatics and blacks and whites and browns and old and young. We're one big family because of one seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seed is the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forevermore. Uh, in the beginning, whenever whenever he began to curse this earth, he says there will always be enmity between you and your what? Your seed, my good God. See, you want to know why the enemy's after you? Because he's after your seed. You want to know why he's after your finances? Because he's after your seed. You want to know why he's after your son and your daughter? He's after your seed. You want to know why you fight the most after church and on Monday morning? It's because he's after the seed that got down deep inside of you. But shout, I refuse to drop the seed. Oh, hallelujah. We begin to see here, the word also here, that when we begin to see it, he's this word, it means spermia. Sperm, I think we got all the teenagers and kids, it's the reproductive to intimacy. I'm trying to keep, we got kids, I'm trying to be cool with this tonight. Uh, but it's spermia, you can grab that and go with what you want. But it's the offspring. It's the offspring. It's a thing that's got to connect from, from, to the egg for it to connect, to reproduce it something. I, I can preach a whole lot right there because uh, your seed does no good until it connects with something. It's got to connect with something. More importantly, what it's got to connect with is got to connect with the spirit. Beyond anything that you want to say, if you can sit here and gripe at your kids all you want to, but you got to get the spirit inside your house so that the, that the word within you, the seed within you can connect with the spirit that's in your house and all of a sudden produce a place of destiny in your house over top of your children. It does no good for your money to sit in your pocket and complain about how broke you are. You've got to release the thing and say, God, let it connect with the spirit so that God, it may do do the work that I cannot. But it's offspring. It's always a reproducing. It's always a self-sustaining. It's always a self-perpetuating. That it will grow to what it you need it to be. Okay. So J- Judah began to understand how important the seed was. Uh, Tamar was married to Ur. Ur was wicked. He said, you know what? And, and he didn't understand it, but God killed him. God destroyed her. All of a sudden, Judah began to understand how important the seed or the offspring was. So he looked at Ur's little brother and he said, "Own and go into the." T-. He said, "Go and take your 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 brother's sister, and I want you to marry her and produce an offspring, produce a seed." He said, "I want you to do this thing because you were called to do it. The Jewish law always required the brother to do this to pass along the seed." To pass along the seed. And let me just stop here and not preach, but just stop for a second. Because this is the thing. Onan, Onan was obedient to do what his father told him to do. He said, you know what? I don't like her. I, I, that girl's always got on my nerves. I don't know what he found beautiful in her. Uh, you know how it is with family members. You don't know why or will they marry some of the people they marry. And now all of a sudden you chose her. But now you want me to choose her with no choice. 
Okay, God, I'll be obedient. Okay, Father, I'll be obedient. I'll do what you tell me to do just because I want to be obedient, son. I don't want to be disrespectful. I'll do what you told me to do. But this is where Onan got in trouble. Because his, his requirement, his thing that he was, uh, was commanded and called to do is he said, I want you to go in and place seed that there might be an offspring. And so he would go behind the tents and he would go in and have the pleasure of the intimacy behind the tents. Uh, but in, when it got to the climax, he would take the seed and drop it to the ground. Are we all grown in here? He would take the seed and throw it to the ground. And what would happen is no one understood what was going on behind the tents except Onan and Tamar. There was no cameras. There was no, there was no blogging. There was no Facebook post. But only Onan and Tamar really knew what was going on behind the closed doors. And it sounded like they were doing what they were supposed to do. It looked like they were supposed to do what they were supposed to do. It, they, they came out looking satisfied, but when it came down to it, the seed was not being implanted. How many know a lot of us are just like this? We go behind the tents of God and we have a good time and we get the climax of the spirit and we, we allow the seed to come. But how many know we don't take the seed and allow it to plant to our lives? We love the pleasure of the seed, but we don't want the, we don't want the seed to do the purpose of what it's supposed to do. The spirit of the world that is in the world, the same spirit of abortion over top of the seed. Why do you think there's a big controversy over top of plan B and there's a big controversy over top of abortion and, and controversy over them passing out condoms because there is something over the seed. But how do you know that same spirit that is something that is symbolic has also got in the church because we also shout over the seed and we jump over the seed and we dance over the seed and we raise our hands to the seed and we shout and say, preach, bishop preach brother I need that word but when it comes down to it we are just like James where we're not doers of the word but we're only hearers only we don't take the seed and say God let it apply it to my life because how you know it's good to think about having a baby till you all of a sudden you find out you really are pregnant. And can I tell you something? Everybody dreams of having the call, the calling of greatness on their life. But can I tell you something? It comes with a price of being pregnant with destiny. And when you're pregnant, you'll be in pain. And when you're pregnant, you'll be uncomfortable. And when you're pregnant, you'll have to go through travail. You'll have to go through times of being alone. You'll have to go through times where you don't fit in spaces you fit in way before but how you know when you get pregnant with destiny it causes you to go to another level come on now let me stop and say this because this is the thing no one knew what owning and tomorrow were doing except owning and tomorrow and they would all question well tomorrow are, 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 are you not are you not with child yet are you are you are you going to be having a baby soon well, I'm just barely, I'm just unfruitful. I don't know what's going on. And how many know you make it all kinds of excuses? And can I tell you something from a distance? We all, we all know how to put on an act of re receiving the seed. And we blame the devil for our unfruitfulness and our unbearingness. But how many know we really know what's really going on sometimes? 
See, this is why the Bible says when he talks about the sower of the seed, he says some will fall on rocky ground and some will fall on thorny ground, but few will fall on good soil. Because how do you know that it's up to you to pull the rocks out? It's up to you to pull the thorns out. And what happens is when you don't allow the seed to do what it's supposed to do, you get unfruitful in your life. You get, don't be wrong, there will be times in your life you will go through seasons and feel like it's dry as can be. You'll go through your life, it feels like it's barren. You'll not understand what's going on. You'll go through your life and it'll feel unfruitful. But there's sometimes you got to check yourself in the mirror and say, God, is it me? And don't tell me this ain't word because David said, renew a right spirit within me. Oh God, do heart surgery within me. God, check every crooked place, every wicked place, every perverse place. God, anything, God, that's not like you, God, rip it out of me. God, I want the seed to do a work within my life. You've got to have a hunger for the word. Can I, can I stop right here? Because, oh man, so many times we get so messed up in church and we, we want to do all these things and we love worship and we love, we love children and we love youth and we love car raises and we, we do all kinds of stuff and we love it and we support it. But then when it comes to the word, we check out. <laughs> we check out. We, 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 we put a mute on it and we say, well, I giving this, I'm giving this joker 15 minutes and I'm out of here. I got a roast in the oven. He better preach me happy. He better preach about the cross or I ain't listening. I'm in the house. I'm in the house. I, I, I'm in the house. And But can I tell you something? Just like I said in John chapter 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. <laughs> Before I created worship, I created the word. Yeah. Before I created drama, I've created the word. Before I created anything, I created the word. How, how many know there should be something within us that's just sitting on the edge of our seat saying, God, shoot me the word. God, give me this every seed you possibly want from me. God, even if it hurts me, God, even if it makes me say, ouch, uh, even if it makes me go home a little bit mad, God, let me check myself, God, that God, I might grow up in you and be all that you've called me to be. I mean, there should just be a love. Can I tell you something? I can't understand people that tell me they love Jesus, but don't love the word. Oh, my goodness gracious. Because let me tell you something. Jesus is the word, and the word is Jesus. Don't tell me you love Jesus if you don't like the word. And I, I'm not talking about your own kind of style of the word, but I'm talking about just any old kind of word. I'm talking about even if they just open up the Bible, as long as it's about Jesus and about the Spirit, God, give it to me. Because, God, I want the word to do a work within my life. Ah. But we begin to see here, God killed off on him. He killed off her. He killed off on him. He killed off all the wicked ones. And here, here he, uh, he didn't want to leave her barren. He said, he, Judah said, Tamar, come on into my house. Come on. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. I know that things haven't been working out for you. I don't know what's wrong with my sons. They've been acting crazy, but I want you to just come on. Thank God for God that will just let you come on into the house and heal up when, when times are tough. Come on now. He says, just come on into the house and I'll promise you the seed. I'll promise you that it's going to happen. And we begin to see here that she sat and waited. She sat and she waited, and she waited for Sheila the promise, and all of a sudden, Sheila was not coming to pass. Sheila 
was not happening within his life. Sheila was not beginning to work, and Sheila just went off, and what was promised left. And so all of a sudden we begin to see here that Judah, his wife, died, and it says that he went out to to shear some sheep. and, And it says there that she says she threw off her widow's garment. She threw off what was dead was behind her. She threw off what she had been mourning over and said, I am going after the thing that I have been promised. She said, I won't sit here and mourn not one more day, but I am going after the thing I have been promised a word. I've been promised a seed and I am going after the word because God is not a man that he should lie. And if God said it, have you know it's going to come to pass. You may have to go through a process. You may have to go through some time. You may have to go through some storms. You may have to go through some hardships. You may have to date a couple jokers and some sorry old relationships. But if God promised you a word, I promise you it will come to pass. I heard a word this week that said you can't stay sick forever. You can't stay sick forever. How many know some people are addicted to sickness? They like the sympathy cards. They like the hugs. They like the people stopping by their house. But how many know after a period of time, they get used to you being sick. They get used to you. And so what used to come in the mail ain't coming any longer. But how many know you've got to be like David and encourage yourself and say, God, I won't be sick. Not another day of my life. God, I'm going to get up out of my morning. I'm going to get up out of my ashes and God, you're going to make something beautiful out of these ashes. God, you're going to give me praise for my morning. God, you're going to give me joy for everything I lost. God. So all of a sudden she, she begins to, she begins to get on the side of the road and she takes off her, her, her clothes and uh, her, her widow's garments and she begins to play a different role. And she says, but I'm after this seed here. I'm after what Judah has. I'm after my promise. Uh, and she began to do the very right thing to entice Judah. She, she began to attract Judah to where he was going by and all of a sudden when he wasn't paying attention, all of a sudden somebody spoke some word and it got his attention just a little bit. And he kept on walking and said, no, 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 I'm coming out of a bad relationship. I can't go deal with that right now. And he kept on walking, and all of a sudden she began to cry out a little bit louder. She began to make some noises and begin to do some things and begin to entice him in a way. To all of a sudden, the father began to go over and be attracted to the very thing that was calling his name. Can I tell you something? Do you know what it takes to get God's attention tonight? I know you've been sad. I know you've been upset. I know you've been frustrated. But can you begin to revive? Reverse the curse on your life and say, God, tonight, I'm going to get your attention. I'm not going out of here the same way I came in here, God. God, I want to turn you on tonight, God. God, I want you to, God, that God, as I bless you, God, you begin to bless me, God. That, God, everything you promised me, God, tonight will come to pass. 
She said, tonight's going to be different. I want what has been promised to me. I want what has been given to me. I will begin to get God's attention. Don't tell me this isn't true because how many times was Jesus walking down the road and there'd be a blind Bartimaeus. There'd be an old beggar, a leper that would begin to crawl out his name in the middle of a crowd. There'd be a woman with an issue of blood that would press past the crowd and begin to begin to do something different. Why? Because there was something within them that knew how to get their attention. My question is to you tonight, do you know what it takes to get God's attention? Well, baby, let me tell you something tonight, that praise is what turns God's attention. It says praise is where he inhabits. It's where he lives at. I don't know about you, he don't live in crying. He don't live in mourning. He don't live in sorrow. He don't live in the molly grubs, baby, but he begins to live in his praise. And as praise goes up, blessings come Come back down. So she said to him, she said, Judah said to Damar, she said, he said, what is it that you want? I'll give you these four last things and I'll get out of your way. She said, you got my attention. What is it that you want? (laughs) What is it that you really desire? And he said, you know what? You've given me a promise, but I want a promise from you. Until I get my promise. He says, you see that bracelet on your arm? I I want that bracelet. You see that staff in your hand? I want that staff. (laughs) You see, (laughs) uh, you see the things that you're carrying? You see that signet ring on your hand? I want every bit of that. And lastly, I want the seed. Why does she want these four things? They all represent something. Number one, the bracelets. The bracelets always represent, and when you read this, bracelets of the old time, they're not, they're not coming out of Macy's and Neiman Marcus and, and, and out of the QVC on TV, but bracelets were a sign that you once were in bondage. Bracelets were a sign that you once were in slavery. And what would happen is when you became free as a slave, they would cut the chains from you. (laughs) Ah, But they would leave you with the bracelets on your arm as a testimony (laughs) of what you came out of. (laughs) She said, I don't just want your bracelet, but I want your testimony. (laughs) I want what you've been through. I want the word that you've been having. Revelation chapter 12 says we are made victorious through the cross. But he also says we are made overcomers through the word of our testimony. Can I tell you something? If you can't find a word of a testimony that you've been through, can I tell you something? If you'll begin to testify about what Jesus has been through and the bracelets that's been strapped on you, the authority that's been strapped on you, if you'll begin to tell them not only what you came out of, you can testify about what our Lord and Savior came out of. Let me tell you about the cross he endured. Let me tell you about the stripes he took for my healing. Let me tell you about how he was resurrected on the third day. Let me tell you how he came back and spent 40 days on this earth. Let me tell you about a man that came from Galilee. Just begin to testify of the thing that God has given you. 
Number two, he says here, he says, I see a staff. I, I see a staff. That, that staff is what I want. I want the staff. The staff represents a couple of different things because when we think about the Moses, what is, when we think about Moses, what did he use to separate the Red Sea? It was the staff. He, he, he smote the water and, and all of a sudden it began to come to pass. And, and it also, it represents power and authority. And, and, and so many times that, that that's, that's how we preach it. But can I tell you something? I want to give you some little twist that God was speaking to me today. That it doesn't just represent just your authority and power. Thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the authority he has given us. Thank God for all those things. But the one thing in the natural beyond the spirit that a staff does is it stabilizes it stabilizes the walk. Yeah. It stabilizes the walk. That if you're on a long journey, that when you're beginning to walk, you can begin to put more weight on that staff than what you're carrying on yourself. Uh, you can use it on something to lean on. My goodness gracious. Uh, that if you're walking up a hill when you're going up rocks uh, and you're walking through an unstable environment, the staff will begin to b- put stability in an unstable environment. Can I tell you what the seed does for you tonight? Whenever you're an unstable, you can lean on that staff uh, and say, God, me, make me stable in the middle of this storm, God. That God on this journey, he says, be weary. Uh, he says, don't be weary. For, for good doing. Can I tell you something? That when you're on this journey, you can begin to lean on Jesus. You can begin to put all your weight on him. That when you can't take it any longer, you can say, God, let me lean on you. Holy Spirit, let me lean into your presence. Let me lean onto you. That's why God said, he said, my burdens are easy and my yoke is light. I mean, when you come to God, what is and comfortable to everybody else uh, will be comfortable to you. Uh, what a storm that everybody else was going through. You may go through the same storm, but you got a Jesus uh, down in the bottom of the boat uh, that can you can wake up uh, and say, peace, uh, be still. But I don't know about you. I even want to be able to walk through a storm and I can be just like Peter and walk through an unstable environment, but be stable all the way through it. Uh, can I tell you something? People, you are the lifter of my head. And God, what should have killed me, God, has only brought me stronger, God. Make me stable in an unstable environment. But number three, he says here, he says there's a, a signorine. He said, she said, that's what I want to. I want that signorine. And, and, and the seed represents in the signorine. The ring, when we think about the ring, it's always of authority. Uh, I, don't, I, watch, I like Godfather movies. I like uh, mob movies. Have you ever thought about the mob? What do they always come kiss first? The ring. Uh, they always walk up and they always kiss the dawn on the finger because that represents a sign of authority. Uh, but it goes a little bit farther than this because uh, the prodigal son, when he came, he says, I want you to, to give him uh, the robe. I want you to give him the sandals. He says, but I also want you to give him a ring. Uh, because what it meant is it was the credit card of the day. Uh, they could take that ring and they would have the family's mark on it. Uh, let's just say... Uh, Pastor CT, and, and it would say CT right on the front of it, real big. And when he began to put his hand down into that wax, they all knew that he just purchased some land. Yeah, they all knew that he just purchased some cattle. They all just knew he purchased himself a new Cadillac. So can somebody say amen? <laughs> it was a purchasing power. <laughs> can I tell you something tonight? Uh, when God puts a seed down in you, it's purchasing power. My goodness gracious. 
you ain't hearing me tonight. When Jesus got himself in trouble, uh, he didn't say, enemy, don't you know who I am? I'm the son of God. Don't you know how powerful I am? Don't you know how authoritative I am? No, no, no. He just began to quote the word. He just began to let the sea do the work. It's purchasing power. That whatever you need, you can begin to purchase through the word. You, you can begin to proclaim things and declare things and declare things that, that nobody else and never could you before. Now, because God has given you the authority and the power to do so. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says, he says, I have sealed you, sealed, sealed you with the Holy Spirit. The baby, even when you walk in the room, the enemy knows the seal that's been placed on your life. He don't even got to look at your hands. He just know the Holy Spirit just walked into the room. I don't know about you. No matter what you need, you can begin to purchase it. You need a peaceful mind? Begin to break out the word. You need some finances? Break out the word. You need your house to be saved? Say, ask for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. I don't know about you. You shouldn't even put up with sickness. You shouldn't even put up with a backache, a headache, uh, uh, anything that's going on, you should begin to say, by his stripes, uh, I am healed. Devil, I'm purchasing things. Uh, I'm buying back some things uh, you stole from me, some things you stole from my family, some things you stole from my childhood, some things you stole from my mind. Uh, the word's going to buy it back for me and buy it back with authority. And baby, I ain't even going to have to pay for it because my father owns uh, the cattle on a thousand hills. Uh, baby, in his subdivision, it ain't trailers. Uh, but baby, can I tell you something? It's mansions. Uh, our God walks uh, on purest gold. He has uh, purchasing power. Everything we need uh, was through the cross uh, that day. Oh, Lord Jesus. Number four, she said, I want the seed. I, I just want the seed. I want the thing that was taken from me, stolen from me. And why was this important? She didn't even know why she wanted it. She didn't even know why it was so important. But the seed was so important. The seed, and yes, whenever she named her babies, yes, she named him Ferezmi, the breaking forth. How many of you need a breakthrough tonight? And yes, when those babies finally came forth, there was a breakthrough. When the second baby came forth, she said it was a breaking of dawn, a, a breaking that the darkness and the storms are over. But can I tell you something? There was something more important than Perez and his twin. Uh, that when you open up Matthew chapter 1 and you begin to read about the genealogy of Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, uh, when you begin to look back and you see the root of Jesse and you see all these different ones and David and all these ones, Solomon that's on the list, all of a sudden you'll see Judah and Tamar. My goodness gracious. Because what inside of her was so important because what was coming out of her was Jesus. My good God. That it wasn't that moment, but it was about to come to pass. Can I tell you something? You don't even know how big your dream really is. You don't even know why that thing inside you is so big. It's so big that you can't even conceive how big that thing is. The Bible says eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. All you have is a desire. All you have is a yearning. All you have is a hunger down inside of you. All you have is a thirst down inside of you. But can I tell you something? When that seed's implanted every Sunday, when that 
seeds implanted every Wednesday, when that seeds implanted in every small group, when that seeds implanted every time you worship, when that seed that's implanted inside of you it isn't just another message, it isn't just another book, it isn't just another song, but baby, it's Jesus being planted down inside of you. And I don't know about you, the Bible says that greater is He that is within you. Somebody say greater. Greater is He that is within you than He that is within the world. And I don't know about you, no matter what devil you fight on the outside of here, you've got greater purchase and power on the inside of you. You've got authority and power working through your veins, baby. Your name has changed. Your name is written in the name, Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is completely different. My name ain't even Richard any longer. My name is Victory. I cannot be defeated. I cannot fail. Not only in this season, but in my life. Everything the devil throws against me, I just got to put up the cross and say, devil, Jesus already did it on the cross. And I don't know about you. I don't know what you've been going through, but I need him tonight. I'm tired of the devil messing with my baby destiny. I'm tired of the seizures beat she's been going through. I'm sick and tired of it. And I purchased the power of healing on her life tonight. That's my story. But what's your testimony? What you've been going through? I dare you to begin to worship. I dare you to begin to praise him right now. I dare you to clap your hands right now. I dare you to shout hallelujah right now. I dare you to stomp your feet right now. I dare you to change your situation. Say, Father, here I am. I need every part of you, God. I need a breakthrough in my life. I need a change in my life. I need a breakthrough, God. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I don't know about you. My morning is coming. Your morning is coming. This region's morning is coming. Darkness has had its time long enough, baby. But the light of the world is about to show up in your life. I dare somebody to give him praise in this place. Stand up with me tonight and just begin to clap your hands and just begin to get in his presence. Come on. Just begin to worship him right there where you're at. Come on, just begin to clap like there's no tomorrow. There's an old song that says, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. I dare you to get so desperate. I dare you to get so hungry that says, God, I need you. God, I need you. Every passing minute, (laughs) I need thee. Father, I need thee. I need thee. Somebody say this with me. Say, God, you can trust me. God, you can trust me with the seed. God, I won't let it fall to the ground. God, I won't let it fall on deaf ears. But God, I'll do everything that you've called me to do, God. I don't know about you. You should just imagine your family being different coming out of here. You should just imagine your finances changing after this moment. Come on now. Y'all ain't hungry. If y'all were desperate, you'd just begin to to love on him right now. You get so desperate, you'll eat anything. You'll get so thirsty, you'll drink anything. I want to ask you a question tonight. 